Alrighty, welcome everybody to Flip the Record. Uh, today's episode, we're doing grab bag number two. What's going on, Joe? Grabs bags back, baby. What's good? Uh, no, doing good, man. Uh, I just want to start by saying, if if you guys don't enjoy Kesha and the White Stripes as much as we did, I don't know what we're doing because <laughs> I was pleasantly shocked by how how much fun I had doing Kesha last week. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I didn't even realize that was our first female artist. Yeah, and I've had a couple in the back of my head for a while, and it's just like there's so many artists I want to do, and you know, doing one a week that's plenty. But they're definitely coming uh, to the to the podcast. It's just a matter of like slotting them in ahead of other artists that I also like. So right, yeah, it was good to do Kesha White Stripes. I had a lot of fun. It was cool having Alex in here. Um, it got me thinking about other artists that we get other uh, other of the gang in here. Um, you know, yeah, so these last two episodes, I think they're a couple of our better episodes. So if you haven't listened, check them out. Um, so yeah, let's get into it today. So we got a couple things in the grab bag today. Um, one thing we're going to be going over, we watched a couple documentaries about the Woodstock 99 <laughs> festival <laughs> disaster um, incident, whatever you want to call it. Uh, then we're going to get into some of our Favorite video game soundtracks. Non non-music, so no guitar hero rock band. No guitar ugh, no guitar hero rock band. Um, although those are worth mentioning at the very least. Yeah, I think we could do another like bit down the line. Yeah, honestly, we could do a whole other episode on those games alone. Right. Um and then after that, we we did a, an interesting thing. Because now we've done we're in the teens of episodes here. So we thought it'd be interesting to do playlists to, to make each other playlists of songs. We didn't think the other person knew to see how well we know each other's music taste by this point. Yeah. Uh, so 25 songs each. We'll get into that a little bit towards the end of the episode and then uh, just kind of wrap up and shoot the shit a little. Yeah. We'll see where we're at time wise. If, uh, if we have extra time, I might have an extra, you know, thought experiment, but if not, we'll just save it for cool. next grab bag. Already that. That being said, let's let's dig into Woodstock a little bit. Yeah. So for context, I watched the HBO Max documentary, which was like an hour and 50 minutes. And you watched and that came out in 2021. And you watched the Netflix, which is probably a skosh under three hours. And it was like three part miniseries or whatever. Yeah. They broke it up day by day. So Friday, Saturday, Sunday was each its own episode. Yeah. So I've got notes scattered all around. Do you want to just give like your overall impression and maybe we just go from there? Or maybe, I guess, here, here's maybe a better question. How was the docuseries? Like, was it produced well? Like, what, what were your thoughts on it? Yeah, no, I thought it was really interesting. They had a cool different amount of, like, or I would say variants of interviews where they had some of the people who were just concert goers at the festival. They had Mike Lang. They had Mike Schur. They had... Uh, oh, you mean uh, John Schur? John Schur, thank you. Um they had a couple of the other production people in the in that whole office uh, do some interviews. Um, the one guy, I think his name is Len something. He's this older, like, blonde guy with curly hair. Um, that guy, his interviews were poignant. Um, and then they, they had, like, one of the MTV VJs on there, too. <laughs> it, it was just there was a lot of cool interviews in there. Um, a lot of cool shots, too. What's really cool about this Woodstock 99 is they did that pay-per-view, which provided them – endless opportunity for clips and, and highlights low lights as well yeah so we'll start with there in the documentary i watched they they had the two clowns the two co-founders mike lang and, and john sure clowns they also had uh several of the bands that performed so like uh they had 
Jewel, they had um, Corn, they had Moby, they had uh, they had another one or two for like a brief clip. They had Carson Daly from MTV talk about okay. it a little bit. Okay. And then they also had a couple uh, attendees. So they had a good. It was a good variety of of interviewees. Um, yeah. We I'm trying to think of the bands we had. So Fatboy Slim had oh. a, had a pretty significant role on day two. In the interviews. Oh, in yours? Yeah. Fat, Fat Boy Slim did interviews for day two. Um, day one, I think Gavin Rossdale from Bush did a couple interviews in the show on day one, obviously. And I'm forgetting there's one other. Uh, it'll come back to me. But, yeah, there wasn't a ton of, like, the musical artists in the show. The one interview that I was begging for that I didn't think he would ever do was, was Fred, Fred Durst. Durst. Yeah, <laughs> 100%, dude. No chance he was doing that. Not a fucking so, chance. Okay, so maybe this is a good a good kicking off point. So, well, first, let's set the background for why the festival was a failure, and then we can go from there. Sure. Uh, I, several different things. Oh, there's so many ways <laughs> to go with this. I guess, so to paint the picture, they do the festival in Rome, New York at a X, or not, not X, but... Uh, a military decommissioned military base right Air force base right so it's like this huge huge area uh the two like main stages were like a mile walk mm-hmm. apart from each other and they had i think like five hundred thousand people or close to attend the festival was it that many i, rem- I kept remember saying them saying it was somewhere between two and three hundred thousand. well I, so a couple times they said three hundred thousand but i'm pretty sure i heard one person say Okay, never mind. Here I have my notes: three hundred fifty thousand. Maybe when they were interviewing like one of the performers, they said it was like five hundred thousand. But okay, so exaggerative. Yeah, so three hundred, three hundred fifty thousand, which is still a ton of people. Still a ton of people. For reference, that's like more than three big houses. Yeah. So they have all these people. They're doing it in the summer. It's like a hundred degree days. Uh, I guess. And they're on tarmac. It's a hundred degrees outside for three days straight, and they're on tarmac. Yeah, so problem number one, it's hot as hell, and they're selling water bottles for $4 a bottle back in 1999. Which is a problem, but it's also a problem. It's an exacerbated problem because as the festival goers were coming into the festival on Friday, the security was taking packages of water bottles. Yes. Nobody was allowed to bring in water. Yes, and that's another one of the big issues was the security was uh, they said that they basically had everyone that wanted to be security do like this three-hour class where the first hour they talked about what they should do and the next two hours the guy told them all the questions on the test answer by answer and then they took the test at the end of it. So it was basically just, hey, you want to come work for this weekend? Like, just take this class. That's what it basically seemed like to me. They were cutting costs left, right, and center, and so – the security force was, first of all, understaffed, regardless, for 300-some thousand people. <laughs> yeah, they had uh, 10,000 staff members. I don't know how many of those are security, but 10,000 staff members to 350,000 people. Let's say it's 25% is security. Even that, for 2,500 people for 300-some thousand is wo- woefully understaffed. <laughs> um, and then the security, like didn't really give a shit either it was a lot of young kids and it seemed to me from a couple of the interviews i got with security is that the security were just getting paid to basically like show up make sure the worst of the worst didn't happen but otherwise you're kind of just there to like hang out and watch Woodfest or woodstock yeah so they did this one interview with this attendee or the, no it was a video clip of him from woodstock 99 where he said and i quote uh all the beers in cheers 
sorry, beer and chairs that the security are taking from people, they're all right here in our campsite because we made friends with the security guy. We got him, <laughs> we got him to give us all the beer. <laughs> so just to show it, like, that's that's how bad the security was. And then the they kept saying throughout the documentary, like, once things really started to get bad, that the security, they literally were, like, they were telling each other to flip your shirt, inverse it, and, like, hide your credentials so that people don't see that you're security. Yeah, I mean, Sunday night, if you were credentialed, you were a you might as well have like had a big target on your head that said like riot over me. Yeah. So the security's subpar to say the least. Security subpar. One other note on that: they did an interview with one of the security guys in mine, and the guy on I think it was on Saturday. Somebody walked up to him. He's like this eighteen-year-old kid. Somebody walked up and they're like, "Yo, like that shirt's cool. Like, what does it do?" The guy goes, "It does everything." <laughs> and the kid's like, "Whoa, well, like, what do you mean everything is like everything?" Kid goes, can it get me backstage? The security guy sold his shirt to this kid at the festival for $500 because he thought it could get him backstage. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, so they and they kept saying, too, like, that, like, dozens or hundreds. There's just dozens of security guards that literally just took it so that they could get in the festival for free and, like, get paid. And, like, they weren't actually working. Like, they just got the credentials and then they. Right. That's kind of what I was trying to get at earlier. Right. It's, uh. It wasn't a professional security staff by any any stretch. No, of the and it's not. And it's not like they were like reporting to like you know the head of security like oh you you know you got to check in and you know do X Y and Z to keep everyone safe. Furthermore, they weren't even like well equipped. This was the, <laughs> so this guy Mike Lang. Mike, uh, this is a good time to bring this up. Mike Lang was kind of uh, very involved with the origination of Woodstock back in '69. So then he's he's involved with the Woodstocks throughout the years through '99, and. He thinks that Woodstock 99 in its inception is going to have the same vibe as the previous Woodstocks of kind of this peace, love, positivity. type. Yeah. Thing. And for context, they did one in the 60s, I think, and then 94 and then 94 and then 99. So instead of and I, I should back up and say this part of their vision for Woodstock 99 was supposed to be this uh, protest against gun violence across America. They had just had the Columbine shooting a couple months ago. And they wanted this this group of youth to, as part of the Woodstock Festival, stand up against gun violence. That being said, none of the security guards, officers, well, not the officers, none of the security guards were armed with anything. Not even like pepper spray or anything. Nothing. They had no arms whatsoever, which comes to bite them in the ass later on in the weekend. Um, But yeah, so security guards, understaffed, under under taken care of. yeah, a hundred degrees. They're on, like you said, they're you know it's a military base, so it's not a ton of grass. I mean, there is grass, but like when you're walking, you're walking on the you know the yeah, pavement. Yeah, in the festival area, it's all tarmac like pavement. So those are problems one and two. Uh, the water is problem number three, where yeah. they're selling it for four dollars four dollars a bottle. And in their defense, they did have like these water stations set up, but. Because people are getting crazy, people were busting the pipelines of of the things, and then. Uh, because the shower facilities were so bad, people were showering in them. Yeah, so there's there's a lot going on with the water here. <laughs> um, and you know what's funny? As I was watching the documentary, I kind of knew it was coming after day one. Yeah. But watching it day one, day one looked kind of fun. Oh, for sure. That corn show was fucking nuts. Yeah, I, I had a note that uh, that was one of the ones that looked like it was wild. Yeah, corn looked was, awesome. I felt a little bit bad for Bush. They interviewed the guy from corn and that's who it was he was in mine too okay yeah he was like because they had they showed a clip of him literally like convulsing like on the floor like while he was performing he's like yeah literally after that it was so hot like they took me back and just 
put IVs in me and like I was done. Yeah, that was an interesting point that I saw about a lot of the artists is like, obviously, the, the festival goers are just kind of stuck where they are. But all the artists, it was basically like they didn't leave their buses until they had to perform. And as soon as they finished performing, they got right back to their buses and got the fuck out of there. <laughs> yeah. Which maybe is pretty standard for festivals as it is. But st- it, it, it felt poignant, especially on day three as I was watching through it. Like Jewel, Jewel looked visibly like afraid. Oh, for sure. Well, yeah, so going back to them not having insecurity, people were throwing shit on the stage for, like, they showed so many clips of artists performing, and, like, people were throwing water bottles and, and beer cans and shit on the stage. Well, and dude, part of it is because of day two, right? So, again, back to the original Woodstock. One of the iconic moments from Woodstock 69 is Jimi Hendrix playing the national anthem on his, on his guitar by himself. Yeah. Piercing, loud guitar, just ripping the national anthem. He, at the crowd goes nuts. So to start day two, Wycliffe Gene comes out and he does uh, a similar rendition of the national anthem, probably in in homage to Jimi Hendrix. Mm -hmm. And during the performance, he says, hey, if you got your fucking bottles, I want you to start throwing that shit now. And the whole crowd goes into a frenzy and starts throwing the bottles. And I think that's when the, the throwing things started. But then for day two and day three, every time somebody came up on stage, it, it was truly unbelievable how many things were in the air the entire time these artists were performing. Yeah, I forget which clip it was of what band performing, but they like the guy, the lead singer was singing and he literally gets hit with like he's getting hit with things like as he's singing. It's wild. But anyways, back to the water. Yeah. So back to the water. Uh, so. So, yeah. So you mentioned that that people were busting pipes. So on day two, people start uh, getting a little uneasy. Um, there's some people starting to bust pipes. Part of the problem, too, with the water, so these water stations were built right into the ground. Part of the problem with the water has to do with the way they handled the, the porta-potties. The porta-potties were overflowed to the brim on day one, but the waste management was also cut costs, so the waste management wasn't handling, handling the porta-potties, porta-potties properly. That's a tongue twister. Yeah. So, <laughs> so the porta-potties are overflowing into the ground, and the ground is seeping up this, like, shit mud water, and the shit is getting into the water at the fucking fountains. Oh, so disgusting. And on the porta potties too. So like, not only was it filling up on day one, but people were like, they, they were getting knocked over too. And there were, they literally said in the documentary that I watched where they're like, yeah, uh, people thought they were playing in the mud, but they were playing in shit. Oh yeah. We had the same like, clip. It was, it was absolutely disgusting. And then they cut away to like a couple people like, you know, laughing and smiling, but it, it like it cut caked and shit. It was disgusting. That, that was one of the more poignant clips of the whole series for me. It's like, there's <laughs> this group of like four or five dudes shirtless and they're like, if you're not in the mud, you're not at Woodstock. And it's like, oh my God, they don't know what we know. Oh yeah. And that's day one. Right. So like they don't. No, that was that was day two, like morning. But no, I mean like the porta potties being oh, full yeah, was yeah, day that one. Was by the end of day one, yeah. And so that's a, that's another problem. So you know you you can pay four dollars for water or beer, and the free water gets contaminated and people are showering in it. You don't have that. The showers is another issue. They literally have it set up where, uh, it's like a communal shower. You don't even have individual showers. It's like freaking like locker room after a high school football game. Now, that being said, I don't think there were too many of the people that were upset about that. One of the one of the sticking points of my documentary as well was just how many people didn't give a fuck how much clothing they had on. Oh, yeah, that yeah, true. But for the shower, the sake of the shower, they also set up like the guys right next to the girls and like with everything going on, like people were lifting up. Like girls didn't feel comfortable showering because people yeah. it was right next to it and people could just lift it up. So that like 
it just just poorly poorly set up poorly executed which i want to bring up because these fucking clowns the two co-founders they kept cutting to them doing their press conferences each day. Did, 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 the best. The, that was honestly some of my favorite <laughs> moments in the whole thing. Dude, after day one, someone someone asked uh, John Schur or whatever. They're like, hey, like, you know, this place is it's pretty trash. There, there's literally trash everywhere. Like, do we have any plans to, like, start cleaning that up? And he just gets, like, pissed. He's like, and instead of criticizing, why don't you come up and I'll pay you $1,000 an hour to start cleaning up? And it's like, dude, that was a valid question. Dude, there was also a bunch of clips in these in these press conferences where they would ask him questions about like the the status of different uh, like sections of the festival or uh, you know work procedures, and the guys would say something that was so like you knew what was about to happen, but they would say the just the opposite wrong thing. They'd be like, "Well, how do you think the festival goers are doing so far?" And John Sure on on Saturday would be like, "Yeah, I think everybody's doing great. We haven't had really any injuries, not a ton of crime." <laughs> uh yeah no everything's going good we're doing great dude it it's it's baffling to me that they not only did the the hbo documentary but also the netflix one because like i don't know okay so maybe this is a good time to bring this up too in my documentary they didn't really paint these two guys as the the villains per se like same they kind of were like yeah it was poorly ran and executed but they my documentary was actually kind of like woke like they're like oh yeah it's all these 24 year old white males like they tried to blame it on them which is like Okay, yes, that is part of it, and it, part of it goes to the lineup that they had, um, like Limp Bizkit to Rage Against the Machines to Metallica. Like, of course, you're gonna, you know, invite people that are more angsty than, you know, if I, it, yeah, I understand. What you're so saying. that so that's a small part of it, but also everyone's dehydrated. There's hundred plus degree uh, weather. There's no water, and you have all these things going wrong with the festival. Like, of course, people are gonna be angrier. You know. Yeah, plus the trash. I don't even know. We we touched on the bottles flying everywhere, but the the trap on Friday as well. The trash cans have all overflowed and not been taken care of going into Saturday morning. And somebody mentioned it. It was basically by Saturday. It was basically like you were walking over a layer of trash everywhere you fucking went. Yeah, which is disgusting. And which, I which is less disgusting than walking through shit mud, but still equally disgusting. True. And I guess the point I'm trying to make is. Yes, uh, there were definitely some some you know shitheads at the festival, but you're gonna get that at every festival. Absolutely. What, the point I'm trying to make is the circuit because of how poorly ran it was and and all those underlying circumstances, like you're just gonna multiply that because of and that goes back to the two co-founders. Yeah, and, and what what was wild to me? One of the last interviews, maybe the last interview they did in our documentary, my documentary, was with Mike Lang again, and. <laughs> They're basically like, you know, Mike, like, what do you think when you boil it all down? What do you think the real like root cause of the issues was here? And he's like, I don't know. I mean, it was a good festival. There was just a couple things that went wrong. Um, and these kids are different. They're just different than they were in the 60s. I don't know. It's just it wasn't peace, love and positivity. It just was a bad vibe, you know. And I'm like, you fucking asshole. <laughs> You just can't like own up to it. They didn't own. They didn't own up to a single thing. The last interview they did, or one of the last the ones Monday, in my documentary, the Monday morning. Oh no, the no, Monday they, morning press conference was equally fucking yeah deranged. So that was one, but they it was like a sit down with John Schur, and they go, yeah. So you know, what do you think like was uh uh the problem for the festival? And he goes, well, it was all the knuckleheads and MTV setting the tone of 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 the weekend and Limp Bizkit and Fred Durst. That yeah. he literally blamed it on Fred Durst, like, dude. That, like, what a wild scene. Let's get right in. That, so, so okay. Saturday. 
let, let's set the stage a little bit. So Saturday, about 4.35 o'clock, they've already had a bunch of artists come on. Now, and it, and it started pretty uh, low-key, I would say. Um, and that's kind of what they did every day. So, like, day one, I think James, Charles, or Ray, I forget who the first performer on day one was. It was, a like, an old-school jazz. Um, Ray Charles. James maybe. Brown. James Brown. Yeah. Uh, so, like, James Brown opened day one. Wycliffe Gene opened day two, who was supposed to be more chill than he was. Um, day three, like, the openers were pretty chill, too. Uh, Jewel was one of the openers on day three. So, Saturday, 4, 35 o'clock, Limp Biscuits coming on. Now, 1999, Limp Biscuits in their fucking prime. Uh, Nookie had just come out. They're fucking killing it. Limp Biscuits nuts. Hard. It's like... We, we, we talked about it a little bit with Lincoln Park, but imagine Lincoln Park, but like more rowdy and heavier, but more like more white trash, <laughs> more white trash and less sophisticated. <laughs> yeah, much less sophisticated. So that's that's a quick summary of Limp Biscuit. So about five o'clock, they come on to do their show. The crowd's already in a fucking frenzy. Limp Biscuit's getting them riled up. They're playing their set and. They get to this song they have in the middle of their set called Break Stuff. <laughs> and Fred Durst, take, he, he's kind of standing on the stage. They, they, took, they made a mention. One of the guys in, that did an interview made a mention. He's like, you can see Fred Durst fighting himself in his head a little bit on stage. Like, wow, this is really fucking sick what's going on out there. But should I really rile these motherfuckers up right now? <laughs> and then he gets to Break Stuff and just said, fuck it. If you have a boss... If you have parents, if you have family, if you have this, if you have that, that you just can't fucking stand and you just want to break shit, get up and break shit. And it goes into the song as hard as you can fucking go. Now, about a few hundred yards behind the or in front of the stage, let's say, uh, out into the crowd, there's a sound stage that's protected on four sides by tall plywood planks or boards. These fucking kids rip down the boards from the soundstage at during break stuff. And the guys in the tower at the soundstage are like, holy shit, this might like they might kill us. They literally might kill us. And so they're like literally trying to evacuate the soundstage as these kids are taking the wood planks now. And then people started crowd surfing. On that the was the best part. They took the planks and they got motherfuckers crowd surfing on top of the wood boards. So one of these wood boards gets up to the front of the crowd. And Fred sees his opportunity and takes it to the <laughs> fullest extent. He's beyond break stuff by this point. But there's an epic, like, couple of clips they show in our, our doc, my documentary of Fred Durst, like, kind of one foot on the stage, one foot on the board, screaming his fucking lungs out, like, to the max. And this crowd is absolutely obliterating it, dude. Just, if it wasn't so wrapped in such a... a I don't want to call it tragic, but such a horrible event. That would be one of the hardest pictures of all time. Yeah, for sure. And then, so, yeah, so the co-founder, he keeps going back to Fred Durst. He's like, yeah, Fred Durst shouldn't have been riling everyone up. It's like, what did you expect? Well, yeah, and so so they finished their set, and the crowd's still going fucking nuts, even after the set's over. And I'm pretty sure it was John Schur comes immediately up on stage. He was like, all right, everybody, Limp Biscuit was great. Why don't we uh, why don't we just take a little bit to settle down and, uh, you know, we'll get our next app act up here in a bit. Uh, and kind of at the same time they're showing that they cut to Fred Durst walking off stage and somebody's trying to get an interview with him. And the first thing Fred Durst says to him is it wasn't my fault. I didn't do it. 
(laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so then, too, so Saturday, they go from Limp Bizkit to Rage Against the Machine. Yeah. And then into Metallica. Like, it's just going back, again, to the planniness. Like, if you didn't want, like, unrest in like angst like you should have spaced this out differently <laughs> yeah like the offspring was a big headliner on friday like you could have you know the offspring is much lighter you could have thrown them in there you know theoretically, what I'm saying? Like, you could have switched bush to saturday you could have done one of limp biscuit metallica and rage against the machine on friday yeah and then you, or you could you could have even swapped the chili peppers in on saturday too no nah, but the thing so that's the thing with the chili peppers is they wanted to do that candlelit uh oh vigil right, right, type right. Deal. okay which is also a hilarious point, uh, a tragically hilarious point of this documentary. So let's skip ahead to Sunday. Yeah. So, OK, so just a couple notes before. Uh, let me see. OK, so so for one of the things we're going into Sunday. So at this point in the festival, like every like everything's like just crazy. Like there's not, you know, the water situation, the poop, every, they, people, they kept cutting to people. They're like, yeah, like the whole place just smelled like poop. And. Uh, because of like all the unrest on Saturday, like on Sunday, MTV literally called like the crew doing like the live pay-per-view and they're like, Hey, like we can't protect you. You should, you should get out of there if, if, you know, if it gets bad, leave. Yeah. And they did like, yeah, they- <laughs> yeah. That was the best as, uh, as right on chili peppers was wrapping up, they kept showing clips of the MTV crew being like, yeah, we don't feel safe. Time to go guys. It was good seeing everybody. Yeah. One more thing about Saturday though. They had this rave tent, and Saturday night, another just shocking, shocking moment of the documentary. They had this rave tent with a couple, maybe 100, 150,000 people in it. Somebody drove a fucking, like, ambulance into the middle of the crowd in the rave. And Fatboy Slim was like, I don't know, should we keep going? (laughs) Yeah. It was a wild moment. And we should also talk to one of the other, like, biggest issues with the weekend was, like, um, I guess... Just largely like like sexual assault. Oh, absolutely. And, and you know, grow like people are walking around topless, and um, they actually they kept showing in in the documentary like clips of people crowd like girls crowd surfing like topless, and like people kept like grabbing into, and it. It was pretty gross, but oh, it's there was a few moments where I really like was very uncomfortable watching. Yeah, this. It, yeah, it was absolutely disgusting. And but I do want to point out they cut to the Offspring on Friday. He was the only dude, like the lead singer for the Offspring. He was the only guy who's like, "Hey, like, I see girls crowd surfing and like guys groping them." Like, he's Fuck like, off. "Cut that shit out." Yeah. And he was the only one that said, or at least that they showed, like saying something like that. That's cool because I didn't see that in my documentary. So I'm like, thanks for bringing that up. I'm well. I'm glad like somebody said somebody something. Somebody said something. Yeah. Like, but and it was crazy. They kept cutting throughout the documentary like clips of like a bunch like essentially like middle you know mid twenties white guys going like, "Show us your tits." Show yeah, us your yeah, yeah, a million of those. Yeah, it was. It was definitely uh, like, but again, like I think with a lot of the lineups they had, like music was changing in the '90s from the early '90s where you had Kurt Cobain and, and Nirvana and uh, yeah, largely it, preaching like be- you know good messages in the music that's you know a little bit sure, harsher and sure. and in the later '90s that kind of transitions into like a lot of anger. Yeah, more like angry music, and the message isn't really necessarily like good. Like it's you got I got guys like Kid Rock where it's just. Or Rage Against the Machine. I mean, say what you want about them, but, like, that is a band trying to incite shit. Yeah. So it's with with the music changing and, like, the lineup that they had where I guess maybe we should just – you want me to rattle off some of the lineup real quick? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The lineup was sick. That's why I, I don't know if I said this yet, but Friday looked like a lot of fun. 
Yeah, so I don't have by days, and I don't have everyone, but I'll just rattle through. James Brown, Bush, The Chemical Brothers, Elvis Costello, Counting Crows, Creed, Cheryl Crow, DMX, Everclear, Everlast, Kid Rock, Corn, Limp Bizkit, Ice Cube, ICP, Dave Matthews Band, Megadeth, Metallica, Alanis Morissette, Willie Nelson, Red Hot Chili Peppers, The Offspring, Our Lady Peace, Rage, Sugar Ray, Jewel. Yeah, it's a pretty fucking sick lineup, and for I think they said the tickets were like a buck fifty. One eighty, yeah. One eighty, yeah. That's <laughs> imagine, imagine how much that concert would cost today. Just forget everything else. That concert today <laughs> would cost a jillion dollars. <laughs> yeah. So the the lineup, yeah, the lineup was definitely definitely pretty top, top tier lineup. Yeah. Uh. So, anyways, so back to Sunday. Shit starts hitting the fan Sunday. Everybody's fed up with everything that's been going on. Um. Uh, and so I, I mentioned they had a few of the, the more calm performers Sunday, like at early afternoon to try to keep the crowd at peace. Cause regardless of what to, or John Schur and Mike Lang were saying in interviews, they knew that this shit was hitting the fan and they knew that Sunday they needed to calm it down a little bit. And it's great because they got the red hot chili peppers closing it out. And the red hot chili peppers are more or less a, I don't want to call them a pop rock band. They're kind of like this funk, just solid rock band um, with a lot of different like influences. But certainly not the inciting type. They're going to be the peace, love, happiness type group. Um, so I forget. Somebody came on before. No, no, never mind. There was there was one performance on Sunday that got a little rowdy. But before you get to the Chili Peppers, though, earlier in the day, it's worth pointing out, they started tearing down the walls. Oh, that's right. Around the festival. Forgot about that. Yeah. So they had these, like, artsy uh, fences all over the place to, one, to keep people out, but two, as, like, uh, like an art, art, artistic, like, decoration of the place. Sunday morning, Sunday early afternoon, people just said, fuck it. We're done. And they tore everything down. Yeah, and it's also worth pointing out before you get into the Chili Peppers. Earlier in the weekend, they had the uh, – I can't remember what nonprofit it was, but they had the nonprofit giving out candles for the candle vigil on, on Sunday. Wait, so that didn't happen – when did that happen? They Like, it wasn't super clear in my documentary. When they were giving out the candles? Yeah. I don't know if they said a specific – I think it was all weekend. Because okay. it, it was just like uh, – you know, I like festivals where they have, like, p- companies promoting things. Yeah, I think yeah, it was yeah. one of those. Because, like, like you said, Columbine happened a couple months earlier. So right. it was like Okay, okay. Yeah. But so so and that's part of we'll move up to the Chili Peppers. So all week and before the, sh- the, the festival had even begun, John sure kind of is teasing like, hey, we got a big thing coming up Sunday night. Uh, we're not quite ready to tell everybody what it is, but stick around until the very end. There's there's going to be a big moment coming on and we got the Chili Peppers coming on last, but then there's going to be a big moment. I don't know. And um, so this big moment unbeknownst to anybody is a candlelight vigil during under the bridge by the chili peppers. Now, everybody in the fucking crowd thought that there was a cacophony of names that might've been coming on after the chili peppers, but that was not the case. The big moment was the, the candlelight vigil. So chili peppers get to under the bridge. They're uh, instructing the crowd to get the candles up and going. And there's actually this really cool moment where they're playing under the bridge and the whole crowd is lit up with candles. Really cool moment. Aside from the fact that the whole band is basically naked. Odd. Yeah, that was that was crazy. They cut away to, uh, I think, Flea. Is it Flea, the- Flea came out on the stage butt-ass naked. Yeah, that was wild. Well, he, he's a wild, wild man. Well, yeah. Uh, but the rest of them were, like, in different levels of dress. And by the end of it, I don't think any of them were butt-naked, but most of them were close. Um, but anyways... 
they got the sea of candles under the bridge is this like sweet kind of uh, sing songy so not sing songy but easy going song and i think that was like the end of the show and no, so, go ahead I, so i uh my notes were a little bit different i thought they had to stop mid set or maybe it was yeah you're right you're right because so yeah, the candles. So the crowd had the candles, and everything was going good for like ten seconds. So I think it was mid. I think it was more mid set or. You're right. You're right. It wasn't the end. You're right. The problem was that the the people who were still fed up with this per- certainly were, weren't there for Under the Bridge by Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> so they take their candles and start lighting fires out wherever they can find room. And they cut away to <laughs> to the crowd, like from the Chili Peppers' point of view. Dude, there's literally like the, like when I say big fires, like massive like the size of like this whole studio like there's like dozens of like fires over like this size in the crowd yeah and bit by bit they just kept getting bigger too like somebody would start a fire and then like everybody around them would go grab anything they could find to burn tables chairs fucking anything yeah so they they stop mid-set the co-founder i think john Shear comes out and he says hey like make room for the fire truck to come in and so while he does that in the in the back, uh, the mayor of Rome, New York, says to Anthony Kiedis, he says, hey, like, can you calm these guys down? Yeah, this is good. I don't know. This might have been the funniest part in the whole thing. I don't know what <laughs> Anthony Kiedis says back to the mayor of Rome, New York, but they come out and for their encore, they play Fire, Fire by, by Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude. Like asking the rock star to, you know, to, to <laughs> take a hey guys, help us out a little bit. Sure, 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 sure. We got you. We got you. That's a that's a one B moment to me to Fred Durst saying it wasn't my fault. <laughs> yeah. So just absolutely crazy. Uh, and, th- and they well, had to that's f- not even the craziest part to me, honestly. Right, right, right. The craziest part is so. So they, they finish fire. They. After that's the last song for the Chili Peppers, they get the fuck out of there. They put Jimi Hendrix up on the big screen playing solos. And the crowd's like, you know what? Fuck this. Fired everything. The crowd's burning everything they can find. They tear down the soundstage out in the crowd. They like tear the whole, like the steel structure down. It's fucking nuts. The craziest part to me, however, is when they finally decide, you know what? The festival's burned down. Let's go out to the rest of it. And they set fire to the, tr- the trailer trucks that had propane tanks in it. And one by one, it was like a bomb going off in each of these trailer tanks. Oh, I didn't see. They didn't put that in ours. Dude, oh, my God. They had 12 tractor trailers out somewhere in the back. And somebody set fire to one of them. And each tractor trailer had a can or a, a big propane tank in it. And one by one, from inside, the, the producers were, like, camped out in this military, like, base, basically. You could hear the propane tanks exploding from inside the fucking oh, wow. the base it was it seriously like it was like a bomb went off and there were 12 of them and the, yeah and then after that too all the trucks with like food and water they were opening that and burning, burning like the the though the, they cut away to the one guy he's like who wants frozen pretzels and they start throwing it in the fire <laughs> and they had to bring in the state troopers yeah that was that honestly like there couldn't be a, a more horrible downturn for them at that point that's the point you would think that uh mike lang and john sure would be like you know what we we fucked up we had to call on the troopers they still said it was a good festival they still stood behind it monday morning those two they they cut away to the press conference at four it's 4 30 in the morning on monday and they're like yeah so uh 
that was kind of a shit show. And they're like, no, no, no. I think overall that was a really good festival. They said something along the lines of this got ruined by a few bad apples. Yeah, 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 yeah. They were like, there's maybe a, hun- a couple hundred kids out there who ruined it for everybody. I was like, cut scene. 200,000 people trampling everything in sight and lighting it on fire. Yeah. And if you were at that festival, like if I was at that festival, I would have been scared shitless. Like, yeah. So, so especially if you're a girl. Oh, like at dude, that, like, oh my God. Terrifying. Yeah. How many, say you show up, you show up Friday at 11 a.m. You get to your campsite at 11 a.m. Friday morning. At what time do you leave? So, okay. So, not knowing anything, you're just a can't, you're just a festival goer. So honestly, though, like if I couldn't even go to the bathroom in like Friday night. It, yeah. If I couldn't go to the bathroom Friday night, I'd be pissed. And then Saturday after like after Limp Bizkit, uh Rage and Metallica and like You're just out of there, most likely like seeing how crazy everyone's getting. I'd probably be like, OK, like the time to go. I don't need to, I don't need to see Sunday. Like I, I, I'm good not leaving. It's hot as hell. I can't go to the bathroom. The showers are whack. Fuck like this. I'm not paying four dollars for a water bottle like. I, I would say probably Saturday. I Yeah, I think Saturday is the right answer at some varying points of time. You could there, There's a lot of right answers for what time to leave on Saturday. Like, <laughs> if you wanted to leave after Limp Bizkit, because you're just like, yo, I... Like, seriously, I that might be a little bit too much for me after Limp Bizkit. I might just be like, you know what? I've had enough. I can't... Because I know Rage is coming on next, and they're already fucking frenzied up, and I know what Rage is going to do, and I just... yeah. So in my documentary, they they kept interviewing this one attendee, and he was talking about his his friend who was keeping notes of the docu- of uh, the festival, and they kept cutting to like you know scribblings of his uh, whatever thoughts. Yeah, and like I knew I was like oh like they're foreshadowing like he was one of three people that ended up dying um, over the festival, which I I'm so I was honestly surprised the number was only three because I kept saying. Uh, th- this was one of the perhaps one of the craziest parts. They cut away to this guy working. Uh, he was an EMT. Let me find his quote here. He's basically saying, um, they were doing like a thousand transports a night for dehydration and and people that were just severely severely like heat stroke, like all that kind of stuff. He said, "This is how crazy it was." He said, "I worked Hurricane Katrina and Hurricane uh, Sandy, and this was crazier." Like, just put put that into perspective, like, two of the most devastating hurricanes. And he said that this festival was crazier than that. Yeah, it goes back to the understaffing, and it's the same thing with the EMT staff, let's call it. Um, severely understaffed. Now, surely they didn't expect that many people to be dropping like flies. However, given the situation, they didn't really expect any of that to happen. So, yes, EMT staff were, were driven to the brink yeah. dealing with as many people as, as they could, more than as many people as they could handle. Um, did, did they cut to uh, to DMX in yours? I, they did a little bit. They didn't do a whole lot on DMX. Yeah, they did. They made a point in the one I watched of um, when he was he was doing the, I don't know the name of the song. Maybe it is my N-word when he was, he was singing it, and then he would go back to the crowd, and then they were like singing it back, back to him. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, like, could you imagine like being a, a minority or whatever? And on on Friday, like, you get all these people like, essentially just being like, oh, like it's okay to to, to say that. Yeah, that was kind of now again, not not crazy. that it's right, not that it was right then, but it was still like 1999. It was more. I'm not gonna say it was socially acceptable, but it was more socially acceptable than it is today, which is like zero tolerance. Yeah, it w- it was just kind of crazy though. Like again, just 
thinking if you're like if like if you're like a black female at oh, the, like I mean I was just that was that was the MTV DJ they they kept going to in mind she did the interviews the black DJ yeah black female uh like I'd be I, I don't know man that that would make me uncomfortable super uncomfortable yeah. imagine imagine if DMX he gets up there and he starts doing that song he goes one time he goes to the crowd they do it and he's like ah gotcha bitch <laughs> <laughs> oh I also had another uh random point here uh. I realized Kid Rock was as big of a dumbass back in the '90s as he is today. Like they cut him, him doing part of his set, and he's his exact quote was or something along the lines of, "The only thing I'm gonna say about politics is Monica Lewinsky's a hoe and Bill Clinton's a pimp." And I was just like, "Oh, like he's a he was an idiot back in the '90s. It's not it's not a new thing. He's always been an idiot." Yeah, uh, strong strong thoughtful words from Senior Rock. Yeah, uh, big dumb dumb. But yeah, I mean, overall, maybe I don't know. I I don't want to say the worst of all time because there's certainly other fire things. fest certainly worse. So, well, we could do an episode on doing wow, the, another, the fire fest uh, documentary. I, I didn't even think about that. What a clusterfuck that was too. But that was a great. They I think I watched the Netflix one, but I've heard they're both good. Truly an unbelievable, like an unbelievable event. Like you could write. I, like that that almost seems like a movie script dude right it, it's so fucking insane and you're right the the fact that the between the sexual assaults and the death the the tolls weren't more is is astoundingly great well so the sexual assaults there was and they cut this was crazy too they there were like 10 reported ones or something and yeah they, they cut they cut to the co-founder this fuckhead he said uh, oh yeah i think i know what you're about to say he's like oh well they're walking around topless what do they expect something along those lines there's like oh my god dude he also there was another i think it was uh i think it was mike lang but it could have been sure said something along the lines of you know there's we we definitely there's been a few incidents but thank god it has been more and you know I've, honestly i think everything's going great obviously not for the people who it's affected but i think everything's going great and then it was like cut scene rave saturday night yeah and uh yeah and then in in my documentary they had these two girls that uh they set up like an anonymous like email thing after and they're like yeah we got like you know several, like 100 or like 200 of reports like of course it like there you know yeah there's more than 10 people just felt un- like people probably yeah. feel uncomfortable reporting it like what severely underreported but i i'm so mad that they didn't make mike lang and john sure like out to be more of villains i can't believe they didn't get sent to jail yeah that seriously. was the, i i kept thinking the whole documentary like holy shit these guys are going to jail I don't. What would you charge him with, though? Gross negligence of some sort. Dude. Yeah, I mean, gross, gross negligence. And the fact that they they both sat down for both the documentaries too, like they obviously think that they did nothing yeah, wrong. That's like, the crazy, like, like that's the Fred, craziest part. Fred Durst wasn't a part of the documentary because he didn't want to be part of the documentary because he knew he what he did. Right. These motherfuckers are so secure in themselves that they didn't do this. They were not at fault for this. Which is like so like convoluted and twisted that you can make your brain be like, you know what? I didn't do this. I set this whole thing up. I literally like built this, but I didn't do it. It wasn't my fault. Yeah, and just not a, they, just saying that it was good and that nothing like bad happened, but despite then, the fact that they had to bring in the state troopers because people were lighting fire and destroying the the festival. But then also back to what I just said about uh, criminal proceedings, I would imagine they say these things. So that they don't see criminal proceedings towards them. Now, Mike Lang's recently passed. Uh, I don't know about John Schur, but yeah. Did you know too? They were going to do a 50-year anniversary and do Woodstock 2019. No. And then it they had dude the lineup was insane. Um, 
I won't pull it up, but they had like this insane lineup, and I guess they had to cancel it for a variety of reasons. But naturally, probably for the best because it was still those two clowns playing it again. Oh, dude. And I mean, after that happens, well, I wouldn't put anything past John Sure. I think he's a money grubbing son of a bitch. But yeah. <sighs> wow. But yeah, if you get, if you get a chance, go watch these documentaries. It's I think it's uh, Netflix is just just type in Woodstock '99, it'll come up. Yeah, they said uh, to Rome, New York, only made 200k for the festival after all the fees and fines they had to pay. <laughs> Dude, yeah, imagine how much like back pay they had to give these motherfuckers. Yeah, yeah, and plus just like the staff, right? Like the staff was probably making close to minimum wage for most of this to deal with all that bullshit, and or like like the security guys. I think they paid the security people 500 bucks a piece. Yeah. For three days of that. Just wild. Let me see uh, if I got any other random ones. Like I said, I just I felt bad for Gavin Rossdale Friday night uh, going on after corn. Corn fucking whipped him into a frenzy and Gavin Bush's. They have some like high energy songs, but they definitely have some low energy songs too. And for them to close out Friday night after corn, the crowd got behind them. But Gavin Rossdale was certainly afraid that they weren't going to, and it was going to get really, really bad. Yeah, uh, I've got two more points. Um, one, they only had three females the whole weekend, which is wild. Yeah, it was what Cheryl Crow, Alanis uh, Morissette, and Jewel. And Jewel, yeah. Uh, the other point I had, I typed in all caps here. Could you imagine trying to find your friends, like, <laughs> or get like getting drunk and lost and trying to find your friends at this festival when you, there's no cell phones? Like, that'd be unreal. Dude, it's just like trying to get out of there alive is unreal. Like, imagine being in those crowds for two days straight, let alone three, and not having a broken anything. Yeah, that's insane. Uh, like the fact that these people had enough energy to even do what they did on Sunday is fucking insane. But then drugs are drugs are crazy, man. Yeah, true. But yeah, just so yeah. just crazy. Check but, it out. Uh, Woodstock 99 HBO and Netflix. I actually enjoyed talking about it more than I enjoyed watching the documentary. Yeah. Like I said, there was there was fun parts. There was a lot of like cool clips. So they showed like people having fun. Yeah. Um, a lot of cool concerts and then a lot of stuff I was very uncomfortable watching. Yeah, definitely. So check it out. Give it a whirl. Give it a whirl. Yeah. That being said, you want to transition into uh, video game soundtracks? Yeah, let's do that. All right, here. So I figured for this too, we can just kind of go over like some of our nominations for all-time favorites, and then maybe read some of the songs off the soundtrack. Yeah, I'm good with that. I'm good with that. Okay, we can just kind of go back and forth if you want. Okay, let me let me open up, but I gotta I gotta pull it up here. But a let's call it a nostalgic favorite. And I, I told you about this as kind of the the genesis of this idea. One of my favorite soundtracks of all time, Tiger Woods 04. Okay. It's not like heavy hitters. The the title track, or not the title track, but the let's call it the the opening track, the track you hear when you turn the game on is Party Up by DMX. <laughs> and they have this like cool montage of the different characters in the game, like hitting golf balls and like the cameras swirling around. It, it's it's a cool montage. But yeah, when you boot the game up, DMX Party Up is, is on. There's some other really, really fun tracks in here, though. Bounce by Zane, Trouble by Roscoe, uh, Crash and Burn by Automatic Black. Bone Thrower by Revolution Smile. Again, none of these songs you've ever heard of, probably. Mm -hmm. But I, the four songs you just listed there were fire. Blue Side by Rooney, another one. A lot of these, I'll say, so Bone Thrower is a, like, 
hard rock song. Blue Side is kind of just a rock song. But Bounce Trouble and Crash and Burn, these like kind of old school hip hop songs that just have sick fucking beats to them, dude. That's awesome. I didn't get a chance to play that game. Yeah, I mean, it's an old one. It's that that's honestly one of the first video games I probably ever played. Um, but I, I distinctly remember that soundtrack being sick. Yeah. Um, but maybe let's get into something a little bit more mainstream. What do you got? Okay, so one of my all-time favorites, maybe number one here, is NFL Street 2. And what differentiates this soundtrack from other soundtracks is when you're playing the game, you hear the soundtrack in the bat. Like, you hear the soundtrack playing, As you're playing in addition football. to, like, the sounds of the game. It's right, not like Madden right. where the soundtrack's only in the menu and then you go into the game and it cuts out. So, I mean, all the songs on this are good, but Acceptance in Too Far uh mop put it in the air mop ground zero disciple nas disciple Disciple, papa roach stop looking start seeing planet asia move red tape damage control rock i am rock royce to five nine can't nobody stop me some 41 no reason the explosion no revolution exhibit hey now uh ying yang twins halftime yun one featuring dmx tear it up and some of those you might not recognize, but they're all bangers. Yeah, it's a fire soundtrack. I was looking through these earlier, and I I wasn't a street guy when I was a kid, so I wasn't super familiar with all these songs. But I was like, you know what? I know these songs are going to be sick, the ones I don't know. And the ones I do know are sick. Yeah, this, this I think, might be my 1-1, one, one, or certainly uh, it's the top soundtrack of all time. Well, you want to talk 1-1. One, one. I think there's, there's one in the, let's call it action games, uh, role-play games, that has such a diverse and extensive soundtrack that I think, le- aside from soundtracks that are, let's call it score, um, music soundtracks, GTA V's catalog is astounding. So do you have it up? Because I was reading, like just doing some research for, for this segment, and I, I saw a lot of people say GTA V, but I never played it. so I, wasn't... I never played it either, but oh, okay. I was looking through it. So there's like, so I think it's like, 10 radio stations that have music and then there's a couple like oh wow there's a couple like game specific stations that are i think like talk radio and shit like that but like so this first one radio los santos it's modern hip-hop work asap ferg swimming pools kendrick lamar uh collard greens kendrick lamar schoolboy q uh travis scott upper echelon ace hood bugatti kendrick lamar adhd like it, it goes on it's like 45 that, 50 songs that's pretty fire that's only the first station. Nonstop Pop FM. Uh, New Sensation Inks. Uh, well, maybe this is not the stuff. This is like old school pop. Um, not necessarily. Applause by Lady Gaga. Meet Me Halfway, Black Eyed Peas. Cooler Than Me, Mike Posner. Okay. Okay. Um, Los Santos Rock. This is like classic rock. Now, they don't have like a contemporary rock station. CC, Fortunate Son, Creedence Clearwater. Uh, Mississippi Queen, Mountain. Give me all your lovin's, Easy Top, uh, Shadows of the Night, Pat Benatar, Kenny Loggins, Danger Zone, Billy Squire, Lonely as the Night, Elton John, Saturday Nights, All Right for Fighting, da 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 da, on and on. Dude, how much does it cost to get all the licensing for that? It, this game must have cost a jillion dollars, dude. No yeah. wonder GTA Six has taken so long. Yeah, I mean uh, that must be millions and millions just to get the licensing for all that. Oh, insane amount of money. But, dude, I can keep going and going and going. West Coast Classics, Classic Hip Hop Radio, E-40, Bone and Thugs, Eazy-E, Dr. Dre, Ice Cube, Channel X, Punk Rock, Alice in Chains, uh, Descendants, Fear, 
the germs, the weirdos, da da da. Vinewood Radio, Indie Rock. Um, this isn't my bit, but let's call it No Bunny, Soft Pack, Jeff the Brotherhood, Bass Drum of Death, Hot Snakes, Black Angels, da da da. I don't know any of those bands, but it's not my music. Yeah, I mean, okay, that's you sold me on. That's on, only like that's only like five of the stations. All right, you sold me then. That's 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 it, legit. It's fucking nuts, dude. This game, mu- now the. I don't know if you can listen to it, though, if you're not in the car. That's the only <laughs> thing. I think you have to be in the car. You just be driving for 25 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's a fire soundtrack, dude. It's You're right. It's crazy how much money they had to have spent to get all that shit. Especially, like, there's a lot of hits in there. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah. Well, uh, so another one of my all-time favorite soundtracks, like, especially from the nostalgia standpoint, in there's... Uh, four four games in the series from when it w- first started, and then they came back and did a fifth one, and then like another kind of remake. But Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. Oh, I thought you were going. To, I thought you were going a different direction there. But yeah, Tony Hawk. I another one I never really got into, but I know they got good soundtracks. Oh, so let and, it go. And this is another game where when you're playing the game, the soundtracks always go in. So it's like you know, you're, whatever mission you're doing, whatever you know, even if you're just free skating, you're always listening to the soundtrack. Uh, so I think my personal favorite is Pro Skater Four, but. It, I couldn't fault you for picking any of these. So, ACDC, TNT, um, The Cult, Bad Fun, De La Soul, Oodles of O's, Delinquent Habits, House of the Rising Drum, The Falcon, Skate and Destroy, uh, Goldfinger, Spokesman, Hot Water Music, Freightliner, Iron Maiden, The Number of the Beast. Yeah, it's a banger. The Offspring, Black Ball, NWA, Express Yourself, Run DMC, My Adidas, Public Public Enemy, By the Time I Get to Arizona, System of a Down, Shimmy, Sex Pistols, Anarchy in the UK. And then, there, I mean, there's more that I'm not even reading, but this is a fire soundtrack. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the whole brand, right? That's part of what that makes that game cool is, like, it's this kind of underground for kids, like, cool vibe, like, skater vibe. That, and so the soundtrack fits so perfectly with that. Yeah, and that so that's Pro Skater Four. I think I also have one and two pulled up as well. Uh, some of the songs from there, just I'll rattle them off real quick. Goldfinger, Superman, uh, again, Dead Kennedys, Police Truck, uh, Bad Religion, You, Dub Pistol, Cyclone, Papa Roach, Blood Brothers, like again, Rage Against the Machines, Gorilla Radio, like just just fire. And then in the most recent one, they added in like a Tribe Called Quest. Can I kick it? Uh, even Machine Gun Kelly, Bloody Valentine, Billy yeah. Talon, Afraid of Heights, like, yeah, yeah. and some of the new age stuff. It's it's they just don't miss. Right. Yeah, they're not skimping on tracks there. They know what they want. And they get it. Yeah. Now, in a similar vein, another game in, I think it's got a similar number of games, similar style to Tony Hawk Skater, SSX. Oh, I never got into those. The snowboarding game. Okay. So. I think the SSX Tricky is kind of like the, let's call it the OG. That's the one I played for GameCube, but it was on PlayStation, I think. Um, Really, really fun game. Had a good soundtrack, but you wouldn't know any of the songs. SSX 3, however, has a cool, really cool soundtrack. Red Hot Chili Peppers, Higher Ground, Hypersonic Jane's Addiction. Uh, We'll go to Yellow Card, Way Away. Some of the other ones here. Fatboy Slim, Don't Let the Man Get You Down. Thrice, Stare at the Sun. Finger Eleven, Good Times, Black Eyed Teas, Labor Day. Uh, and, and a bunch of other deep cuts that I'm just not familiar with. But really cool soundtrack for that kind of game as well. Same kind of thing as the Tony Hawk game. Yeah, that's fire. Kind of in a different vein, though. And 
I don't. This is not necessarily what we've gone for for this, but I, I thought maybe I'd just bring it up quickly. A couple of games that don't necessarily have like a uh, produced music soundtrack, but are more score. Super Mario Brothers has a kind of fire soundtrack. Yeah, Legend of Zelda too. I was gonna say Ocarina of Time has a fire soundtrack to it. Hundred percent. Even cool. they all got the different songs. There's like a, there's different songs you have to play throughout the game to like do different things. And all the songs are just these little harp tunes, and they're just so much fun. And you, but like traveling through Hyrule Field, you hear the like the upbeat traveling music. And when you go to Ganon's castle, it's like this hard, heavy score, and yeah. it's just a lot of fun. Yeah, a lot of Nintendo they do a really good job of, of music. Uh, even like Pokemon is is good. Some better than others, but I know what you're saying. Like the original Pokemon games. What do you the uh, Do you remember the the theme song for the cartoon? Yeah. Yeah. Kind of catchy. Oh, yeah. It's extremely catchy. I was going to like, as as cartoon like theme songs go, that was probably one of the better ones. Scooby-Doo is the goat. Oh, Scooby-Doo is the goat. Or Yeah, no, Scooby-Doo is better than SpongeBob. I enjoy SpongeBob a oh, lot. Oh, SpongeBob's a good one, too, yeah. I love the, uh, when you're like, oh, I love when DJs like remix the SpongeBob theme song. Dude, Drake and Josh theme song. Or, oh. the, you know, the one that Drake Bell does. Yeah. That's yeah. a fire song. Do you like that one better than the Zoe 101 track? Uh, I watched Zoe 101, but I don't even remember the track, so I don't... Yeah. Yeah, I do. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, I'm trying to think. Like, There was a lot of good ones. Uh, iCarly had a good one. Oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. Anyways, we're way off track now, but... Uh, let me let me hit you with another one of my favorite soundtracks here. NBA 2K14. Okay, I didn't, I didn't get to this one, so talk to me. So they had Lost by Coldplay, Started from the Bottom by Drake, Not Afraid, Eminem. Whoa. Clint Eastwood by the Gorillas, yep. Radioactive Imagine Dragons, Can't Stop Me, Jadakiss, The Rulers Back, Jay-Z, Who Do We Think We Are by John Legend, All the Lights, Kanye West, Now or Never, Kendrick Lamar, Hate Me Now, Nas, In the Air Tonight, Phil Collins, Elevator, Black Keys, Hollowing for You, Black Keys. That's a fire soundtrack. That Phil Collins track never gets old. No, but that one too. They bl- they have rap and rock in yeah. there. Like, oh man, yeah, it's a was- fire track. Yeah, and you don't see that as much anymore. Madden or NBA Two K, they don't really do a ton of rock tracks in their set li- in their playlists. Uh, which is funny because I would say up until about that time, fourteen fifteen, before that, the Madden and Two K and NBA Live were almost exclusively rock. Yeah. Like they had some of the like the Nas, the DMX, like the let's call it hard hitting. Uh, like hip hop, but they certainly wouldn't have like a, like an NLE Choppa or like a fucking, I don't know, uh, NBA young boy, something like that. Um, which is interesting because the next one I want to talk about is back to the old school stuff. A funny addition of the Madden uh, <laughs> franchise, because this is one of the f- maybe few, if not the only where the characters are not like, not trying to be realistic at all. They're like cartoonish. Um, they have these like massive heads on them and it's Madden 09. Oh, that was one of the like shittiest ones. Yeah. Brett people, Favre was on the cover. Brett Favre as the Jets is on the cover. Yeah. This is his first year in New York. Uh, shitty game. Sick yeah, soundtrack. Terrible game. Buster Rhymes featuring Linkin Park. We made it. Sturbed Ooh. Inside the Fire. Uh, Franz Ferdinand, Lucid Dreams. Gym Class Heroes, I'm Home. Hollywood Undead, Undead. Oh, uh, do, 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 the let's call it the opening track for this game. Devour by Shinedown, The Real World by All American Rejects, Hammerhead by The Offspring, Diamond Life, Taiga, Breakdown, Wale. I mean, 
electric soundtrack for the worst, maybe maybe the worst edition of the Madden franchise. Yeah, that's kind of when I stopped playing them, to be honest. But you have anything else on that one? No, no. So I was I I had a Madden one on the list as well. I had 2005. Do you want to guess who's on the cover? Madden 05. Hold on, Michael Vick. Oh uh, no, that was 04, I think. This okay. Is, uh, is this the? This isn't Palomalu and no. Go ahead, just let me know. Ray Lewis. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Ray Lewis, I, I think maybe he gets a bad like look back in time a little bit, but Ray Lewis was a bad motherfucker, man. <laughs> yeah, literally, is a bad boy. <laughs> <laughs> maybe allegedly. Who allegedly. Knows? Yeah. So 2005, Will I Am Go, Green Day, American Idiot, Hoobastank or Hoobastank, Same Direction. Uh, let's see, Newfound Glory, the this disaster, the Clincher, Chevelle. Take me out, Franz Ferdinand. Oh, Franz Ferdinand, that's a classic. Yep. And uh, yeah, you hit the other ones. Yeah, and uh, Franz Ferdinand, Take Me Out. That was on one of my other favorite soundtracks, NHL 1999. I've heard rumors about this game, but I never. It's a legendary game. I never got into NHL. Bro, that was like the only NHL game I played because we had it on our PC. Like my dad had it, had bought it for himself on the PC. Oh, wow. The Red Wings in NHL 99 oh, were unstoppable. Yeah, it's it was Pablo Sanchez times like it's five <laughs> Pablo Sanchez's on the ice. Dude, it was I would destroy the computer. <laughs> like I'm talking like 20 to like two. Like it was just it was a, a beating. That's of, fucking sick. So many legends on that team. How how like uh, God, 99. How uh, like not glitchy, I don't want to say, but how like how slow was the reaction on some of that? Oh, I, I just remember it being like, it was, if you wanted to score a goal, like it was instant. Like you, <laughs> like you could just go to a certain spot and like rip a slap shot and you get a goal. Uh, and like, could you like make out one character from another or was it basically Tecmo Bowl? Oh, no. You can, you, you can make yeah, out one didn't. from another. You ever played Tecmo Bowl? No, ever? I haven't. Yeah, neither have I. Just Obviously, we have that retro bowl that we got into for a hot sec, but... Oh, yeah, that was fun. That was fun. I kind of got back into it recently. Oh, we should play that sometime. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, the Tecmo Bowl, that's... God, talk about old school tracks. Have you ever heard, like, the little uh, kind of, like, keyboard track to that? It's just this really old school, like... I don't know if I've heard that one. Yeah, it's, I don't know. It's, I mean, all the, like, all the really old games, their, like, uh, music is so fucking annoying. Yeah, definitely. Dude, imagine just sitting, like... Like you're sitting at a TV screen with like your buddy and Pong is like the most exciting shit you've ever seen. <laughs> Holy shit. Couldn't imagine. Ugh. But some of the NHL right here, I couldn't find the 99 specific playlist, but someone on Spotify made a collection of the NHL like from like they had 96 and then 99 through 2023. But some of the ones that I remember on on NHL or some of the games I played over the years, I Hear You Colin, Gob, Fat Lip, Some 41, Makes No Difference, Some 41. Uh, let me scroll down here. A couple more gob ones. She loves me not. Papa Roach. Fire. Headstrong. Trap. Nice. Uh, Punk Rock 101. Bowling for Soup. This would have been later on in the years. Oh, Ellen. Gob. Get what you need. Jet. Like, take me out. Franz Ferdinand. Like, NHL definitely uh, had a couple, couple good years there. Dude, you know what? So, another game I never really got into was FIFA, but I looked into a few of their soundtracks. Dog shit. Oh, really? Oh, they're I, so bad. So I, I never got into FIFA either. But I, when I was reading online, some people were saying, like, uh, what did they say, FIFA 2015? And then I looked at it, and I was like, I don't know. If, <laughs> oh, I, let's just I go ahead and pull it up here. Let's see what we got. 
But I, I think I went from like the newest FIFA through probably like 16 because I was just like, wow, this is bad. Uh, FIFA 15. Oh, also, what's funny about these FIFA games is Messi is just the cover art for like 10 of them. <laughs> that's hilarious. Um, FIFA 15, The Knights by Avicii. Oh, that's a fire song. Uh, Cocoon, Catfish and the Bottleman. That's a fire song. Uh, Are You What You Want to Be by Foster the People. Okay. When the Day Comes by Nico and Vins. Uh, Super Critical by the Ting Tings. I don't know. I'm those, not. Those first three were good. Mess is Mine by Vance Joy. I'm not super familiar with many of these songs. Yeah. If people say it's great, then it's great, I guess. But I don't know. It's certainly no Madden 09. <laughs> Madden had a good little stretch from like 07 to let's call it 2010. I would even say or like as far as 05. Because back in... Oh five, I think that's oh, when yeah, they had like right. the mini camp. Yeah, or maybe maybe it was two thousand eight, but I think it was two thousand five when they had like the mini camp and you did all the drills and listening to the soundtrack. I'm pretty sure Madden 08's pretty good too. Madden 08's got Sean Alexander. Uh, yeah, Sean Alexander on the cover. I don't want to stop. Ozzy Osbourne released by Timberland and Justin Timberlake. Underclass Hero Song Forty One. Threes and Sevens by Queens of the Stone Age. Hell yeah, uh, you wouldn't know. Uh, Tick Tick Boom by the Hives. Good track. Um, yellow card fighting, mm-hmm. becoming the bull by Atreyu. It's that's a pretty good fire soundtrack there too. Yeah, but uh, yeah. I, honestly, I think um, I don't know, man. I I was a fan of sports games, but I was never like super super into it. Like I wasn't somebody who bought the Madden every year or like anything like that. So my my knowledge of this isn't super super deep. Um, but I think I've covered pretty much everything I was thinking about. Yeah, same. We can uh, we can move on to the playlist. Cool, let's do that. Now, eh, never mind. Um, why don't we do this? Why don't we do playlists? Then we'll do uh, we'll do playlist shuffle. Uh, I don't know what the fuck you want to call it. Ten tracks from the the randomized playlist, and oh, and then we'll get out of here. Yeah, that's fine. Let's do that. All right. So, do you want to go track by track, or do you want to just kind of talk in general? Why don't we – I've got the one I sent to you pulled up, so why don't you talk about, like – we'll talk. I'll talk through yours, and you talk through mine. Yeah. Fair enough. So this is actually a – I'll say it's a pretty good playlist for me. There's definitely a couple misses on here that I wasn't a huge fan of, but most of these I was – like, these are pretty cool. And there's some oddballs in here that I was pleasantly surprised with. Yeah, so, yeah, let's start start with the misses. The misses? Wait, let me see if I can guess one first. I'll say Fuck It by Nathan is a miss. Uh no, I kind of like that song. Oh. I that the uh I don't want I don't know what you want to call it, but that little bit where they go fuck it, we're gonna do it live. Although yeah, that's <laughs> that's always a funny bit. Yeah. Uh, uh supercuts is that a miss? Supercuts. Jeremy Zucker. Uh, I actually didn't hate that song. No. Oh okay. All right. Then you, you just tell me what the misses were. Salvation by Tash Sultana. Oh really? Yeah, I wasn't a fan of that. Okay, she's got a really unique unique style. Um, ah. Uh, the other one was up top. It might have been Careful by NF. You didn't like that? Yeah, just whatever to me. Oh, that's a fire track. I didn't hate it, but I didn't like it by any stretch. Um, but I mean, the the first song in this in this playlist, "Rusted from the Rain." I've been a big tally or big Billy Talent fan for a long time. Oh, okay, Billy Talent three. That album is fire. We have to we we'll have to do him at some. Or yeah, I'd be, some I'd be totally point. down. I think I got away from it for maybe call it four or five years ago. His newer stuff just got super political. Oh, Maybe really? not super political, but it felt political, and I was just like, I don't know, man. Um, 
But yeah, Billy Talent's fire. Um, Oil and Water by Incubus, good track. But I, I don't know. I like the hits a lot more. Okay. But it's a good track. Fuck it by Nathan. I liked it a lot. Um, just real good energy there. Kind of this like pop rocky feelish. Um, Oil is Gorillas and Stevie Nicks. Good, not great. Odd mix. They made it work. Yeah. Floribama, I knew. Kenny Chesney. Yeah. Really, really good track there. A track I didn't know that was a lot of fun. Whole Damn Town by the term, like, Troubadours. Really, really good energy country there. Yeah. Really liked that. They're track. like legit country, too. Now, here's maybe something we can digress on a little bit. I liked Soul Food by Logic. A good track again. Logic. I think Logic is a that, very, very good artist. I do, too. That, that's one of my favorite tracks of his. Is Logic getting nickelbacked? Like, is it not cool to listen to Logic anymore? Dude, I don't know. Um, he's a really, really talented artist. Some of his newer stuff is kind of like, I don't know if it's... Um, not his best stuff or different. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I remember hearing him talk that he was like, he wanted to try some different stuff. He was like getting into rock and, um, you know, just doing different things. But I feel like... Maybe for the last two, three years, I've heard a lot of people be like, Logic's corny. I'm tired of Logic. I don't know, man. Like, Some of his stuff is, I don't know if corny is the right word, but maybe it's just, uh, it's, I don't know, just his, like, he does a lot of, like, similar sounding, like, raps where. He's got sick flow, though. Yeah, for sure. And, like, I, he's I, a good, I think he's a good songwriter, too. Oh, for sure. I just think uh, his first couple albums and even the mixtapes before his first couple albums hit so hard and then, like, I don't know, it just. He just kind of fell off a little bit. I don't know if he's, like, corny, but, I mean, as a guy, he is kind of weird. Oh, I mean, he's a weird dude, but, yeah, we can get past that with a lot of other people, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, I just feel like he like he's getting Nickelback to where, like, people loved Logic, people loved Nickelback, and then there was a certain point where things took a little bit of a dip, and all of a sudden it wasn't cool to listen to Nickelback or Logic. Well, I think anymore. that song he wrote about the Suicide Hotline. That was, like, his high point. Right, but I think I think people started to turn on him from that because it was so popular. Yeah, I know what you mean. And like it was like they they did it at the Grammys, like it was you know played on the radio, yeah. and then people were kind of like turned heel on him. Yeah, I know what you mean. And saying like, oh, this is corny, even though it's actually a really really beautiful song. Yeah, powerful. Yeah. Um, like I even like that album. That's a good album. Yeah, that was a good album. I uh, total side note, but the cover to Bobby Tarantino is electric, <laughs> sick artwork. Yeah, he's got some good artwork. But anyways, I don't know, man. I feel like Logic in like a couple years, people will be like, you know what? No, Logic fucks. And but right now he's just kind of going through it for whatever. Like I don't think he did anything like Nickelback. Yeah, Nickelback it, made a truly atrocious album in like twenty twenty ten. They like they played the halftime for the Lions one year, and they played one of the worst songs I've ever heard. <laughs> truly atrocious. Yeah, Logic also did. He had one of the all-time, like, oh, I'm retiring. And then, like, as soon as he said he was retiring, it was like, come on, dude. Like, he'll be back in a year and a half. And he was. <laughs> uh, yeah, but good track there. Midnight Train, Hard Target. I feel like I've heard this singer before in a different band. I don't know what it is. Oh. It just sounds so similar. Um, but it, it's kind of this. I, I liked it. Um, just easygoing kind of folk. Nah, not folky, but we'll call it a country song. Kind of, yeah. a stretch, but old school, maybe folky country song. Simple Romance Coin, good track there. I mean, it's pop rock. It's it's good pop rock. I don't know what else to say about that. Legit by Nas. I, I can't wait to do Nas. I'm very excited to do Nas. People talk very, very highly about Nas, and I've just never gotten into him. 
So I'm very like excited to see other things like that. Legit's a sick track. I, I threw that one in there because I love like that might be my favorite album of his in like just his flow, his his wordplay, yeah, like really, really good flow. It's unreal. Salvation by Tosh Latana wasn't a fan at all. Yeah. Repo You So by Better Off. Really, really good energy. Um not was I not what I was expecting from this playlist. This was a break in the action. This is like <laughs> close to hard rock, let's say. Yeah, I, in terms of like stuff that maybe some artist you've never heard of how did i like was it decent or no there was some good stuff in here absolutely okay, cool, like i cool. said um tr- like i've i've heard of turnpike troubadours only because you've brought them up but i don't i wouldn't know a single song until gotcha. now um like super cuts i actually liked don't look at me by poor stacy i liked a lot never heard of either of those sweet um i guess in the interest of time i'll skip ahead a little bit yeah, yeah. Uh, Lost in You, one of my favorite tracks by Three Days Grace. Yeah, really, I figured really you probably knew that one, but I, yeah. it was like, um, that was one of my favorite Three Days Grace tracks too. Yeah, so I was like, oh, I gotta, in case he hasn't heard this one. Yeah, no, fire. Creed Bratton from The Office, hilarious toss. I know, I had to, I had to get one in there. <laughs> <laughs> that was oh. fine though. It was a good track. Yeah. Um, Sell Your Soul by Hollywood and Dead, another one I knew, another good track there. That yeah. that whole album is pretty fire. Oh yeah. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of the Misery Business cover. Oh, the MGK one? I just... Haley Williams has a really good voice, and MGK had has a not very good voice. I thought it was raspy enough, and... It I was certainly raspy job. enough, but he couldn't hit the notes. Nah. Like, he couldn't get up there. Like, when they go into the chorus, like, he was just like, Whoa, I never meant to, Brett. Where Haley's throwing it as high as she can go. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I, I like that one, but yeah. Um... No Way to Stop Me by Royce to 5'9", another good one. I'd never <laughs> heard it, but I knew who Royce to 5'9 was. Good yeah. track there. I wasn't a huge fan of the We Can Make the World Stop by the Glitch Mob. I don't know. It's, it's not on the. Wor- I like that one on the workout playlist. But, uh, yeah, overall, I'd say this is probably like uh, this is probably like a 7'9 playlist for me. few misses. Oh, 7.9. 7.9. A yeah. <laughs> uh, few misses. No, no, I'll say, I'll say like one or two misses. A lot of like good, not great tracks, and a couple great tracks in there. Seven point nine. Okay. Uh, you want me to? I'll get into yours. Yeah, talk about it. All right. So, Starseed already had saved our leading piece. Good song. Could have been me. The Struts. I wasn't a fan of, but Burn It Down by the Struts. I was a big fan of. I was wondering which one of those because those songs are almost di- diametrically opposed. Yeah, they're vastly different in sound. Uh, yeah, the could have been me. I was like, eh, take it or leave it. Burn so that, it, burn it down. I saved, and I was like, okay, I, I could get some more of this. That's kind of crazy because could have been me might be the most like, it might be the number one track on Spotify. Now. Oh really? Yeah. No, oh, I, I disagree, but it might be the number one track. Okay, I'll give it a couple more listens. Yeah. Uh, Heat Above, I already had saved by Greta Van Fleet. Okay. When the Curtain Falls, solid. Not, I mean, I didn't save it, but it was, it was it was solid. The guitar solo at the end is pretty fucking fire. Yeah. Yeah. Santa Monica, I already had saved. Theory okay. of a Dead Man, that's a, a classic. Yeah, classic. Uh, let's see. Sultans of Swing. Which one? Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. I, I saved this one. This one was, this was a banger. A lot of fun. This was one of the ones. I actually I queued up a couple more songs from the artist, Dire Straits. Yeah. They, they got, got some good stuff. Yeah. They got good stuff. So that was that was a cool ad. Uh, the Good Life Weezer, solid track. Let the Sparks Fly, Thousand Foot Crotch Yard. That's on the workout playlist already. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I loved Nothing But Trouble by The Lazies. I told you, man. This band has one album and they fucking killed it. And yeah. I don't know why they didn't continue. The, oh, they didn't They didn't make an, a follow-up? They might have other stuff, but like... I. I think I saw some other stuff when I was looking into it, but I, I like it was so far spaced out that 
Yeah, this is the only album that I know of them by them. See, this is another one. I listened to their other like top two or three songs, and I, I liked them all. Young Modern Lightning. Uh, there's yeah. an, I forget, there's like a pirate themed one. Yeah, I saved that one. That's a, yeah. that's a, that's a funny track. <laughs> yeah, that was cool. Uh, Nepal by USS. I I've had a couple of USS songs saved, but after this, I went back and listened to like five more that I hadn't heard before. Liked them all. I was like, we got to do this band on the pod. Absolutely, dude. Uh, USS that that whole album there. I forget what it's called. That might be Frequency. It, yeah, it's that's a fire album. Fire album. Yeah, so definitely one that like I was they. I, Hearing this song, I put put it on the radar for like, oh, we should do this band sometime in the next Absolutely. couple months. Don't Forget Me by the Chili Peppers. I hadn't heard that one before, but I, I was a fan. I saved it. Another fire album. That might be my favorite album by them. Yeah. Uh, when I'm Gone, Dirty Honey. That was another one that I hadn't heard before, but I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Good Blame album. It, yeah. Blame It On Me, George Urza. Uh, that was another, Ezra. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Ezra. That was another good one. Uh, Jukebox Hero. I uh, I've heard the song before, but it was like a reminder of, of how good it is. Yeah, yeah. Lick it up, kiss. It was solid. Uh, mayonnaise, sma- smashing pumpkins. This was one uh, pumpkin song I hadn't heard before, but I enjoyed. It's it's different because it starts off slow and then he kind of like rips in with the guitar a little bit. It's not like fast or anything, but it's just piercing, you know. Yeah. Uh, the Ballad of Curtis Lowe, Leonard Skinner. This was a song I hadn't heard. This might have been my favorite one on the playlist. It's so fucking fire. Dude. Yeah. I recently discovered this song and I was like, wow. Okay. Yeah, it's one of his his top 10 on on Spotify, but yeah, he's it's just this ballad about this this Slow, guy Slow plucky. Yeah, Curtis Lowe who's like uh he's an old black man in the south that just kind of he sits at like a country store basically and plays the blues when when this kid from Leonard Skinner goes up and pays him like whatever he's got basically. And he's the best best blues yeah, player. Yeah. He kept he keeps saying that he's the best damn blues player that the world's ever seen. Yeah, that w- that was cool. Definitely uh, uh, one of my favorites. Yeah. Crosstown Traffic, Jimi Hendrix, I, I really enjoyed. Yeah. Uh, Lies, Rolling Stones, that was solid. Learning to Fly, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Already had this one saved. I love that song. Gotcha. Unchained, Van Halen, saved it. That was solid. Yep. Uh, Driving Rain. Okay, yep. I saved this one. Uh, Slash is a fucking wizard. Dude. Yeah. Solid Rock. Fences, Paramore. I don't know if I saved this one, but it, I did enjoy it. Okay, I did save it. That was good. Yep. And then You Are the Best Thing, Ray LaMontagne. Am I saying that right? I think it's LaMontagne, but I don't know. Yeah, I ended up saving that. So there was, there's a lot of stuff in here, like some of the older stuff, like the the Hendrix and Stones, where like in Kiss, where I'm like, I haven't really heard much yeah, of it, right. but I was like, okay, like this is a solid song. Definitely know that there's more to check out here. Well, and that's the thing with some of those bands too, is like Lies by the Stones. It's not nearly a hit, but it's on probably my favorite Stones album. And I wanted to, I didn't want to throw like, like can't get no satisfaction. Right, you. right, right. You know what I'm saying? Um, same thing with Cross Down Traffic. I, I probably could have given you any Hendrix song, but I think that one is good mix of like good energy and also a little bit deeper than some of his like top top stuff. Yeah. So overall, I'd probably give this playlist a good eight five eight seven five. I think of twenty five songs, I maybe didn't save four. Yeah. So the ones you didn't like. Uh, so could have been me. I didn't. I didn't save. Yeah. I didn't. Care I didn't for that save one. when the curtain falls, even though it was wasn't bad. Yeah. Uh, I didn't save the good life again. It's not bad. You're just not a big Weezer fan, are you? Yeah. They're all right. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Did I save? Okay. I did save that one. So that actually 
That might have been it. I think I saved. Three oh, I didn't. I didn't save Unchained by Van Halen, but I went back and listened to some of his other stuff and saved some more from there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've told you before, but the Van Halen slash Weezer con- like concept album is pretty fucking fire <laughs> too. I don't know, man. Weird, but I love it. Yeah. Um. All right. Cool. So you want to do you want to do playlist shuffle and call it a day? Yeah. Do you want to do you want to go for five this time? Sure. All right. You want to go? F- sure. Here. Hang on. This is a game I'm destined to lose just with all the one-offs I have. I might have to turn up the volume. This is USS for sure. Ah, it's not frequency. That's the album. Uh, Fuck. Um, if you don't get the song, we'll give you 0.75 out of one because you got the the band and the uh, album. I'm gonna go. It's not. This is the best. Just give me um. Hydrogenuine. Yang Yang. Yeah, okay. Oh, uh, Ramblin' Man. I let the singer. I shouldn't have let the singer come in on that. Uh, yeah, no, I know this. It's uh, the band we just talked about. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, oh, fuck. This is that song we were talking about too. I gotta say, I actually got. I gotta save this one. This one's good. Little blue diamond is a girl's best friend. That's a hilarious line. Yeah. Uh, fuck. I'm forgetting the name of it though. Let's just go. Little blue diamond. No, louder than youth. Louder than youth. Yeah. Wrong song entirely. So we'll give you two. We'll give you two point seven five. Young Volcanoes, Fall Out Boy. The Rock Show. Blink. Yeah, so you got 4.75 out of 5 there. I'll take that. It's not bad. Uh, let me make sure this is on shuffle first. Oh, I had some hard ones coming up, too. Fuck. It's <laughs> hmm. all of them. All right, let's see what we got here. Oh. The game. Uh, this is the one with it's featuring Kendrick Lamar. Uh, I even think it's the white. The album covers white, blue, and red. Yep. Oh man, I don't know the name. It is See No Evil. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, half a point. Sure. Oh, Kendrick Lamar, Good Kid, Mad City, Shireen, Master Splitter. That is one and a half. I think I'll take point seven five on that. I even got the album cover and the feature on that. Well, no, one and a half total, right? Yeah, you got one point seven five. Oh, yeah, one point seven five. Yeah, I gave you point seven five for. Fair enough. Oh. Uh, Bob, we're up in the sky. Uh, just a dream. Just a moment ago, up in the skies. Hi. Don't let me fall. Don't let me fall. That's two point seven five. Yes. Oh, ho- Hollywood and Dead. 
uh, Black Delilah. Black Delilah. The Diary. Oh, the Diary. Shit. Let me get killed. That's three point seven five. Last song. Oh God damn it! You you should know this one. I'll let it go a little bit. Oh, it's uh, Drake, obviously. Um, this might be his. This is my favorite album by him. Take care, Tuscan Leather. Oh, Take Care is my favorite album, but yeah, okay. Or I guess that is. This is the Take Care album. I forget the no, name. No, that's not off Take Care. No, no, but it's the one where it's like he's got the two album covers. The ones him as a child. Yeah, like, yeah, you know, yeah. And the other ones him as an adult, kind of like looking down at the child. I know that is a cool album. It's cover. a cool album. Yeah. Right? It's a cool album cover, and it's like probably my favorite album by Drake. Top yeah. to bottom, man, fire. Yeah, he's got some good stuff, and then some really not good stuff. Yeah, that would be another interesting one to do. We'll do it at some point. He's got. <laughs> He just puts out a new album every year. Yeah, I, I definitely feel like lately, maybe the last four or five years, he's kind of just been putting stuff out to put it out. Yeah. Um, you know, mixed in with some, like, singles that are going to be hits. You His know? early stuff was really good. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um. Cool. So that's a that's pretty good time today, and I think that wraps it up. Um. You want to talk about what's coming up here, and then we'll get out of here? Yeah, Zeppelin 1 through 4 next week, and then the rest of the catalog the following, and then same thing with Mac Miller. Mac Miller. Then, we'll, uh, we'll split his up. I don't know if we'll do like five and six or whatever, but we'll we'll split his up. He's got eleven. Uh, I think I think he's got double digits. Damn. And then, do you want to? Yeah. Know who then, we're doing uh, after that? then after Mac Miller, we'll do Greta Van Fleet because they have their new album coming out this month, and they have a Zeppelin esque sound in the beginning at least. So it'll be interesting to look into it. Yeah. Uh, okay. So Mac Miller, we got one, two, three, four. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, and then they released another two after his death. So Damn. I don't know. And those ones are, I think they're. I maybe we don't. Maybe we don't have to cover those two because they're kind of like mixes of stuff that he had already recorded. And yeah, maybe we can like briefly talk, talk on, on them, but not go song by song. Yeah, I feel you. So I feel like it's always uh, when an artist dies and then they put together like albums from just leftover songs after. It's never like it doesn't hit quite the same. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Like Lincoln Park. Hmm? Like Lincoln Park. No. The, the, no! <laughs> no, that one worked. <laughs> uh, all well, right. That wraps it up for the day. Catch you on the next one. Follow us on socials. Uh, flip the record at Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and Twitter. Like, subscribe, review on Spotify and Apple. Thanks for listening. Thanks.